0: Well, folks, if you have uh, been going to Colonial Heights Baptist for any amount of time at all, you've probably started to figure out that uh, we ask a lot of you here at Colonial Heights Baptist, don't we? And uh, not only do we ask a lot, but we never stop asking. I mean, you not, it's not like you're ever going to give enough or sing loud enough or do enough. There was a, OK, we're all done. No, we just come back and ask for more. We don't let up, and I mean so much so that you know. Figure sooner or later you're going to say, you know, what what is driving them? Why why don't they let up? What well, when is there ever going to be enough is enough? Well, folks, this is kind of a, a coming clean moment. I, I'm going to tell you what's driving me. I'm, I'm going to tell you why we keep pushing you to do more and more and more. It, you know, for us, it's it's about the trips. You see, headquarters has for us pastors certain incentives, and and as the church grows, we get trips. And so uh, I don't know why you're laughing. This is very serious to me. Um, so when we average 2,500 in worship, I get, I get a trip to Hawaii. And I, I've never, never been to Hawaii. I'm not a big fan of the beach. You know that. But I would take that trip. And uh, when we reach 3,000, then I get a month-long trip in, in Europe. And when we reach 4,000, uh, I get a, a round-the-world cruise. And so, folks, I want to do these things. So, y'all, we got to get together. we got to work hard so we can get get our pastor out on these trips. And it's not just me. At certain levels, I I get to uh, designate a certain staff member to go. And I've already, when we get to 3,000, I've already got Scott, our our music pastor you just saw up here, lined up. I've got him a a three-day all-expense trip paid to Danville, Virginia. And uh, I love Scott. I'm going to watch out for him, make sure he gets the very best. And... uh, now, now you, you know that's not true, right? You do know, right? Don't, that pastor up there, he's doing everything for trips. No wonder. No, no, don't, don't go out of here saying that. I don't, I don't get any trips at all, okay? Uh, that's not why we do what we do here at Colonial Heights Baptist. You might wonder, well, then, then why do you do it? What, what, what is pushing you? Why is that? Folks, you know the truth of the matter is, I, I don't get anything more or less out of what you do or don't do. I don't know if you've ever put that together. I mean, if you, you know how important Bible fellowship is to our church, but you know something? I don't, I don't get anything whether you go to Bible fellowship class today or not. I don't get anything more or less if you've got 90% attendance or, or 45% attendance. I, I don't get anything more or less. I don't think Scott gets anything more or less whether you sing louder or not. I don't get anything more or less whether you give or not. Now, you probably don't believe that one, do you? But folks, I, I, I don't. I don't get anything more or less based on what you're doing. As a matter of fact, folks, I don't even get anything more from the Lord. What? Yeah, I, I don't know that I can go to a single passage of Scripture and get any kind of idea that, that a faithful pastor of 2,000 gets more reward or gets more blessing from the Lord than a faithful pastor of two hundred. You see, the operative word in the reward is the word faithful, not the number that goes with it. God's not measuring me by the number that goes with Pastor, but just whether I was faithful to the call or not. So we don't get anything more or less based on whether we do this or not. Matter of fact, the truth of the matter is, folks, be I mean, honest with you, sometimes I think it'd be easier if we weren't growing. It'd be less traffic, be a lot less headaches in some ways. I mean, every now and then it looks kind of uh, enticing. You know, I'm just, just going to preach. We'll marry. We'll bury. We'll have a, you know, we'll have a Sunday school. We'll do some music and we'll call it a day. You know, that, that'll be enough. Why, do, why not just do that? Why not? Hey, you know what? We've done our part. Let's just slow down and, and take it easy here. Let's not make it so much all the time. You know, what if we did? What if we came as a church and we said, you know what, enough enough is enough. We've andied up. We've done our part. We've done, you know, in this game, we've done what we should do. So let's just slow down. I mean, you know, folks, really, honestly, to go any further at this point, it's just more money. It is more traffic. It is more headaches. It's more organization. It'd just be easier to, to slow down. What if we had decided to do that? As a matter of fact, what if we decided to do that the day before we sent a faith team to Jeff and Melissa's house? You think it had made a difference to their home that we had decided, hey, we've done our part. We're finished. I think it would. What if we had decided uh, four or five years ago? You know what? Enough's enough's enough. We've already got a big building. We've already got a big trip. Move and build all over. That's $20 million. That's crazy. Man, enough's enough. What what if we had decided that then? What if we said we're not, we're not going to do that? We've already done our part. I wonder if that would have made any difference. You know, I'd like to find out something here. I don't want to embarrass anybody or put anybody on the spot, and I'm not going to, but I'd like to ask you a favor. If you have become an attender of this church, I'm not asking whether you're a member or not or how often you come, but if you've started attending this church, Since we moved here in April, would you stand up just for a second? Would you stand up if you've been coming here since since April? Look at that. Even in the choir. Look at this, folks. Now, stay standing, stay standing. Now, I'm not going to embarrass, I promise. and, And I'm not even asking for anybody to respond to me. I guess I'm just wondering, has it made a difference to you that we came down here, that we did this? Y'all can sit down. Thank you. You know what, folks? That's why. That's why I do what I do. That's why we keep going further. That's why we keep driving harder. And I'll tell you you something else. And this is self-directed, self-motivated. I do this because I want to count. I want to make a difference in this world. I want to have an impact on my world. And I believe that is what God has created me. And I believe God has created you for. Let me throw a couple of verses at you. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, whether then you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all, every bit of it to the glory of God. Folks, here's my question. What's it look like when you're doing something so that God is glorified so that the world sees how big and great he is? Does that say something about the intensity with which we do something, the commitment with which we do something, the endurance of which we'll take on something, does it? I think so. How about 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, therefore, my brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always look at that word, excelling, excelling in the Lord's work. Folks, when you look at something and you say, boy, that's excelling, what are they doing? What, what goes with the idea of something excelling? I, I mean, I see that word and I think, man, there, there, there is great effort, there's great price, There's great energy, there's great passion, there's great reward. I mean, when I think of something excelling, that means it's going further, it's going faster, it's going better than anything else. And the Scripture commands that you and I have that attitude about doing the Lord's work. Excel in the Lord's work. And look at the promise that comes with it. It won't be in vain. Whatever you do, when you're excelling in the Lord's work, from running a camera to parking cars to teaching a Bible fellowship lesson to going out on a faith visit to, to being out on the street serving, serving hot dogs and donuts like we've done in some of our Crestos events. Folks, when we are doing the Lord's work, God promises you this counts. You won't always see it, you, you won't always see how it counts, but God says, I promise you it counts. Philippians 4.13, a very, very favorite verse among people. I can do all things through him who what strengthens. What do I need to be strengthened for? I mean, folks, seriously, if I've said, you know, Lord, enough's enough. I've done my part. Do I need to be strengthened anymore? No, see, when I'm being strengthened, that's to pick up and go again, isn't it? I've given a lot. I've done a lot. I'm worn out. I want to go over here. I want to sit down. Man, I'm toast, Lord. Give me a break. Why do I want to be strengthened? Because I'm going to get up and I'm going to go again. about 2 Timothy 1, 7? God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness. What do we do when we're afraid? When we're afraid, we slow down. You know what you do when you're afraid? You try to get small. I don't want to be seen. I don't want anybody to catch me. That's not the spirit God's given us. He's given us a spirit of power, of love, and of sound judgment. How about Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 17? Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I assure you, I promise you, I guarantee you, if you've got faith like this, if you had a mustard seed, folks, it'd go right there in your pinchers. It's a little little tiny seed. I couldn't hold it up. As a matter of fact, I could tell you I have one right here. in My fingers, you wouldn't know. That's how small a mustard seed is. If you had that much faith right there, you could tell a mountain over there to go to over there, and that sucker would move. nothing, nothing will be impossible for you. And did you know Jesus comes back in chapter 21 and tells the disciples this again? The very same thing. Folks, do these sound like verses God is giving to His people because enough's been enough? We've done our part. We've gone far enough. We've given enough. We've sang loud enough. We've gone to enough classes. Does that sound like what these verses are for? Folks, you know, when we open God's Word, it's very clear that in this life, there is Disappointment. There's loss. There's suffering. But folks, what these verses are communicating to us is that even in the midst of that, the Christian life is a life of strength. The Christian life is a life of purpose. The Christian life is a life that moves and it makes an impact. Folks, this is what God has created us for. This is what God has created called us to you and i are not created to just survive we're not created to just get by we're not created just to get from day to day you and i are created in the image of god you know what that means i'm created to be like god i'm created in his likeness well folks god's not getting by from day to day god's not just hoping to get to tomorrow No, when God moves and lives, it is with purpose and it is with impact. And I'm created to be like that. You are created to be like that. You and I are created to make a difference in this world. He's called us to that. He has commanded that of us. Let's look at that and see that this morning. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter five, Matthew, chapter five, first book in the New Testament. Matthew, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we've got some in the chairs around you. Grab one and study along with us. Matthew chapter five. Now, what I'm getting ready to do here for the next few minutes should sound familiar. I've looked at this passage before. This should be a little bit of a review. Let's remind ourselves because our world leads us to forget. Our world makes it very easy for you and I to slip into just surviving to just getting by from day to day. And Jesus has called you and I to something different. Look at verse 13, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount and he says to you, he says to me, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on by men. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Jesus says you and I are to make a difference. We're to have an impact on our world. And he describes that impact with two phrases. Salt of the earth, light of the world. Folks, where salt is used, it's known, isn't it? Where light is turned on, it is seen. You see, these are things of impact. These are things that are noticeable. They're things that you know are there. Now, let's understand a little bit more about what Jesus meant when he said these things. He says, first of all, you are salt. You're the salt of the earth. You know, when you and I think of salt, we think of something that, that we put on food, right? That to, to enhance its flavor. Well, they put it on food too, but it wasn't for flavor enhancement. In a, in a day where there was no refrigeration, they used salt as a preservative. That they, they put salt on things to hold at bay, rot and decay. See what Jesus is saying here to us, folks? You are a preservative. I am pouring you out on this earth to hold at bay the rot of sin. Now, folks, can you and I do that and not be noticed? Can you and I do that and make no difference? Do you see here that that Jesus is intending, expecting, commanding that you and I make a difference? We are to move out of this room and into our world and we are to stop the rot, stop the devastation, stop the the the, the tearing apart of sin in our own lives, in our families, in our communities. And Jesus really says the whole planet. Man, I, I've got something to do today, don't you? This is not just surviving, folks. This is making a difference. And look what Jesus says, says, you know what, if you're not doing that. You're useless. Could there possibly be a greater failure in life? than to go and stand before the Lord and hear him say, Randy. You were useless. That's kind of interesting here. Jesus talking about salt losing its saltiness. Salt doesn't scientifically actually lose its saltiness. Sodium chloride is a pretty stable compound. That, That stuff stays just like it is for a long, long time, just about forever. You know, when salt loses its saltiness, it's not because it's decaying or degrading or just kind of falling apart. Salt loses its saltiness when it becomes impure. When it becomes Diluted. So do you see what Jesus is saying here? He's got a challenge and a caution going on at the very same time. He's saying, I am sending you into the world. You are to have an impact on the world. You are to stop the rot of sin. But as you go into that world, make sure the world's not impacting you. Make sure that as you go leave this building and go out into that world, make sure you don't get diluted. Make sure you don't become impure. Does that happen? Oh, gosh, yes, it happens way too much. So Jesus says, I'm going to pour you out over this planet. Make sure you don't become deluded by it. You are to move into the world for impact. Make sure the world's not impacting you. Now, folks, can you be doing this and just getting by from day to day? Can you be doing this and just doing the next thing? Folks, this is living life on purpose. This is living life to have an impact. This is not just getting by, whether we think of it as an individual or whether we think of it as a whole church. Folks, we don't gather here today just to do the next. It's Sunday, so let's do the next thing. We've sang, so now it's time for the sermon. be time for the invitation, then we go home. be time for Bible fellowship, then we go home. Folks, we don't gather just to do the next thing. We gather for impact. So we're to be salt. Then, then Jesus says, you're to be light you're to be like, you know, have you ever thought I'm not making a, a, a hugely complex statement here, but you may never have thought about it like this. Did you know darkness cannot put out light? So that you, you can't make something dark enough that the lights put out now you can turn the light off, you can remove the light, but darkness cannot break light. Light always breaks darkness. I could make this room pitch black, which I'm not. I could make this room pitch back and light a single match. Smallest little light there is a little tiny flame. And you'd be able to see it from everywhere in this room, wouldn't you? The light, as big as this darkness would be and the little as that tiny flame would be, the light breaks the darkness. That's what you and I are, Jesus said. That world is dark out there. It doesn't know the truth. It's being swallowed up in the lie. People are being destroyed in the lie. And Jesus is sending you and I out there. We might be small. We might feel like, well, I can't defeat it all. But light always breaks the darkness. Darkness never breaks the light. Folks, you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, are to reflect him. We reflect the truth of the cross. We reflect the truth of God's word. We are reflecting him. Do you realize there is nothing private about being a follower of Christ? You ever heard somebody say that lie? You know, my faith, that's a private thing. You're not a believer. You're not a follower of Christ if your faith is a private thing. Jesus said it's anything but private. He says, do you put a faith on a hill and then cover it so nobody sees it? That's foolishness. You see what Jesus is saying here? There is no such thing as a private faith. Not if your faith is in Christ. Folks, we are there to reflect him. Our message, our reflection Is the message of the gospel. Our message is not a PC message or a prosperity message or a green message or a self-actualization message. Our message is a gospel message. Without a relationship with Jesus Christ, people die and go to hell. Without a growing relationship with Christ, people lead meaningless, worthless lives that make no difference at all. And that's not what God's created us to be, is it? No, he's created us for so much more. We are to be light. We are to be salt. And folks, you know what? The beauty of this is you can do this no matter what's going on in life. Does life ever kick you in the teeth? It sure does. Some of you right now are going, I I think my teeth are getting kicked right now. Whether it's the job market or something going on in a relationship or there's a health fear, health concern. A lot of times we feel like we're getting kicked in the teeth. And and as believers, we feel like our life is anything but a life of strength. Anything but a life of impact and purpose. But you see what Jesus has called us to here, folks. It's in our call. Accepting that call, living that call that we find our strength. You realize I can be salt and light when I'm having the best day of my life. And I can be salt and light when I'm having the worst day of my life. I, I, you, you can be salt and light when everybody's applauding you. You can be salt and light when everybody's attacking you. You can be salt and light when everything in your life is working. And you can be salt and light when nothing in your life is working. Do you realize what God has created me to be and do? I can be and do no matter what the situations are in my life. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, the situations, that's just the playing field. That's just the different places I can go and live and shine the light of truth. Don't people sometimes need to see what truth looks like when you're getting kicked in the teeth? I mean, I love to show people what truth looks like when everything is working. That's fun. I'll take that assignment, Lord. But you know what? Every now and then, God may have people around me that need to see what it looks like when you live in light of the truth when nothing's working. So that's my call. And it's in living that call that I will find strength and meaning and purpose in life. Folks, this is why we gather. See, we gather together as a body of Christ to help each other live a life of impact. This is why we do what we do. We give to have an impact. We sing to have an impact. We park cars this morning to have an impact. We'll lead Bible fellowship classes to have an impact. We'll go out and do crestos events and go on faith visits to have an impact. See, God has given us the church as an opportunity to be encouraged, to be instructed in how I live out this call to have an impact. He's given us the church to provide for us places of opportunity to have this impact. This is why we do what we do, folks. What did Jesus say we are? We are the salt of the what? The earth. We're light of the What? The world. Folks, do you realize God has not given us a target any less than the entire planet? I can't shoot for Colonial Heights. I've got to shoot for Colonial Heights and the entire planet. The whole world is the target God is giving me. We are building lives and we are building a church and we are building ministries with a worldwide impact in mind. With a worldwide target. That's what our logo is all about. You see the logo there on the front of your bulletin. That logo, let's see it on the screen here. That logo reminds me my target is the world. And what am I shooting at the world? The gospel, the message of the cross. I don't have anything else to carry to the world. If we carry something else to the world, guess what? We're going to get diluted. We're not going to be able to stop the rod of sin unless we're carrying anything but the cross. We're not going to be a light that dispels the darkness unless we're carrying anything but the message of the gospel. That's what we carry into the world. And folks, therein lies, not in our, not in great circumstances. It's in that that lies our opportunity to have a life of strength and meaning and purpose. You know, it's sad. Most people do not know this life that God has created them for and called them to. You say most, what do you mean by most? I mean, five out of six people on the planet today. Five out of six people on this planet do not know what God has created them for, and therefore they cannot answer the call and experience what he has for them. They get stuck. They get stuck in discovery. You've heard us talk about this before. How are we going to have an impact? We've got three words that describe every ministry in our church. Every ministry in our church falls under one of these three words because every person on this planet is in a process, and they're somewhere in these three words. Those three words are discovery, discipleship, And devotion five out of six people on the planet. We're talking about roughly five billion people get stuck in discovery. Discovery is where I'm asking those questions like, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Is there a God? Has that God revealed himself? Does that God have anything for me? Does that God want anything of me? Five out of six people, five billion on this billion people on this planet will not answer those questions correctly. They'll get steered in the wrong direction. They'll get stuck in the wrong direction. And they will never move out of discovery. Now, folks, there are people that inside of discovery do come to know the person of God in Jesus, in Jesus Christ. But did you know that even believers can get stuck in discovery? Just because I I I lay hold of Christ, just because I get saved doesn't mean then I move on to the next step, because once I know Christ, there's still a process of discovery going on in my life. Who is Christ? What is there in this person? What does he have for me? How do I grow in him? And what is the relationship to the church? See, we like to separate Christ in the church. We especially do that in America. You ever hear anybody say, you don't have to you don't have to go to church to be saved. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Do you know that's the absolute truth? You don't. But you do have to go to church to know that salvation, to enjoy that salvation, and to grow in that salvation. God doesn't call a single person on this planet into a loner religion. He calls everybody into the church. Jesus is the head. Christ. The, 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 the church is the what? The body. Generally speaking, the head and body don't do well separated. You see, there's a tight connection, folks. We need the church. And so as I come into a relationship with Christ, I need to discover more of who He is for me and more of what He has for me in this entity, this body of people He calls the church. Now, as that discovery takes root, then I move into discipleship. The Greek word for disciple simply means a learner. I'm in a learning process. I'm in a growing process. I'm learning who I am in Christ and and how that really grows and develops. I'm learning more about God and his plan and his work in this world. And I'm learning how to grow in the church. I'm learning what my gifts and abilities are, where I can serve, where I can minister. All of these things are a part of growing and developing. And as that discipleship begins to grow and come into maturity, I become a fully devoted follower of Christ. You know what a fully devoted follower of Christ is? That's somebody who everything they do, it's driven by love, devotion. We don't do this. We don't go do anything we do in this church out of a sense of obligation or duty or trying to make some really angry judge happy so I can get into a better place than a worse place when I die. That's not our motivation. It's out of love that we are driven. Love compels what we do. And the fully devoted follower of Christ now comes full circle and he is a part of the church in helping people discover and in helping people be discipled so that we see more and more people moving through this process to become fully devoted followers of Christ. So through the church, I have an opportunity to move through this process of, dis- of discovery, discipleship, and devotion. And through the church, I have an opportunity to gather with others and see a whole lot of people move through this process of discovery, discipleship, and devotion. And therein lies our greatest opportunity to impact this world for Christ. It's in this process that we stop the rot of sin. It is in this process that we get the light bigger and brighter than ever before to reflect the truth. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what you've been commanded to do. That's what you've been called to do. Folks, I think it's a very sad commentary in the United States of America. When in more cases than not, the church is the most irrelevant place in society. It makes no difference. Would I be exaggerating? Would I be wrong if I said probably three or four out of every five churches could close their door tomorrow and nobody would even know? Church is dead. They look dead walking into the church. They look dead while they're doing church. And they look dead when they come out of the church. You go into church and it's like stepping back in time 50 years You go into church and nobody's dealing with real issues in real life, in a real today. And if they are dealing with it, they're dealing with it with anything but the word of God. The only truth, the only answer. And folks, I'm not here today to say why that is or how it happened or what it can be done to fix it. I am here today to say this. We're not going to be that church. We will not back up. We will not slow down. We will go further and further and further. Time is too short. It's too important. And I want to count because God's called me to count. God's created me to count and God's challenged me to count. And he's called you and commanded you and challenged you to count. And you know what he's promised us? He said, as you give everything, every ounce of energy, everything you have, I promise you this, it's going to count. It's going to count. Let's pray. Father, we dedicate our lives, we dedicate our very bodies to you. We dedicate this family, this building to you. It is for your glory, it is for your purposes. Lord, may there never be, Lord, it's happened in way too many churches. May it never happen here. May we never come to a place where we say we've done our part. May we never come to a place, not as individuals, not as a family, not as an entire church. May we never come to a place where we say enough is enough. It's too much money. It's too much headache. It's too much work. God, may we be driven by love. And the promise that what we're doing, it will count. Lord, there's a lot of times that we are out there, we're working hard and we don't see that it counts. We don't see the difference that it's making. God, when we don't see, may we lay hold of your promise and may our faith be great. Lord, as you have called and as you have commanded to be that salt and that light for an entire planet, I pray we would say yes. Lord, there are families. All across this room right now that have lost a job. There's a family at MCV right now that is waiting for a a wife, a daughter, a mother to pass away. And Lord, there's probably ten times that many issues that I don't know anything about. God, would you help us to see that it's in the midst of these very things that we can shine the brightest. It's in the midst of these very things that we can have our greatest impact. Would you help us to see that it's in the midst of these very things that we need the church the most? Because we're not called to do it alone. We're called to go together. God, I pray that as we get up and we walk out into that concourse today, I pray every one of us in here is asking, am I having an impact on my world? Am I aiding and serving my church and having an impact on this world? Because I don't want to be useless. I want to count. For the glory of God, I want to count. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.